I want to build a message this morning that will get me to the point, because it is um, Resurrection Sunday, we, we know it as um, today, it's Resurrection Sunday, and I want to lead, a, I want to build a message that leads to the point of, of explaining why Resurrection Sunday is significant, why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is significant for you and for me, and so that's, that, like I said, it's a big deal, this whole Easter thing. And the resurrection plays a big part. I want to talk about um, the build-up to that is quite fascinating because Friday, um, technically Friday, not really where Jesus died, but that's where we celebrate it. But that the death, the burial, and Jesus being under um, in the tomb or dead for three days is significant. And then raising God raising him from the dead on the third day is significant. I want to talk about that this morning. But first, I want to pray um, for this message, and I want to release forgiveness to daily. So will you join me for beating me at tennis? I'm going to let that go this morning. Amen. Why don't you join me? Father, we thank you this morning that we can come around your word and, and celebrate this great day. And, and Father, as I build this message today, Lord, I pray that you would be heard above all else, that your revelation would come through, and the significance of the day, Lord, we would come to know that, not by a man leading us into that, but by your Holy Spirit. So, Father, use me today to speak your word, and, and Lord, let it come alive to us all, because we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And just, come on, you appreciate our technical guys, and uh, had a good job this morning with all the technical difficulties, and it's not an easy job to have, um, to be a part of a mobile church and, and setting up all the technical stuff to make it all happen. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'd love to um, start with that being our platform for this morning's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, and we're going to take, read it all the way to verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1 to 4 says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel or the good news I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I... For what... I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Right, so that's verse 1 to 4. Now, what's, what's important that you and I have to understand here? The gospel or the good news of Jesus' life for us and his death for us, the good news about what the scriptures foretold and what Jesus did and what we have because of Jesus, the, that good news, there needs to be a response to it. And um, Paul says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and of which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. 
So the good news of the gospel, of what Jesus has done for us, requires a response. Amen? It's not just good news that saves you one time when you acknowledge your need of Christ. But Paul actually says it's to be received. So the preaching of the gospel is to be received. The good news of Jesus Christ is to be received. And so I pray that there's a receptive heart in the house of God this morning. Is there a good amen? That needs to be received. And secondly, he says, the same gospel that you take your stand in. So the gospel is not only to be received by Christians or, or those who believe in Jesus Christ, not only to be received, but you take your stand in the gospel. I want to give you some, some good um, substance from the Word of God this morning on which you can take a stand. Amen. And so secondly, you take your stand in the gospel because the, the gospel has power. And you to understand that today, that the gospel is not just words or an historic um, telling of good news, but it has power. In fact, the Bible says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. So it performs the miraculous here on earth. And so you can take your stand in the good news of Jesus Christ. But thirdly, Paul says, hold firm. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. So not only received, not only can you take a stand, but Paul and the, and the word of God urges you to hold firm the truths of the gospel. Is that a right, church? You see, the truth is every Christian must take seriously their responsibility to not only have a good past and have a good present, but to, but to determine to have a great future with the Lord also. You see, friend, you can determine to have a great future with the Lord if you receive the gospel, take your stand in the gospel, and hold firmly to the truths of the gospel. And then you can look forward and enjoy a long, happy future with the Lord in this life and the next. Amen? And so it's received. You stand in it, and you hold firmly to the truths of the gospel. And so you've got to know the truths of the gospel. I want to talk about that today. Christ died for our sins. That's what we celebrate at Easter. Christ died for our sins. What, what does it mean that Jesus died for our sins? How does His death do anything for our sins? Let's talk about that this morning. At some point before He died, before the veil was torn in two, before He carried out, He cried out, It is finished. An awesome spiritual transaction took place. The Father laid on Jesus all the guilt, all the wrath that our sin deserved. And He bore it perfectly on Himself, on His perfect self, totally satisfying the wrath of God. It was a transaction that took place on the cross. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Jesus taking on the sin of the world, your sin, my sin the sin of, the, of humanity, taking it upon Himself, on His perfect self, therefore satisfying the wrath of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 and 21 says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, 
as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, friend, I'm unfolding the good news of Christianity, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news for humanity, that God made him who knew no sin, who had no sin, to be sin for us, that we in him might become the righteousness of God. And I've said this before in this environment, but we, that we might become the righteousness of God. See, the transaction that Christ made on the cross causes us to be a, of a new substance, causes us to be the righteousness of God, not have righteous attributes or some part of our heart being righteous now, but the Word of God says that we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's good news. That's good news because you are not slave to your past desires, to your past habits, to your last way of thinking, but just some part of you is righteous. You're thinking now, but your habits are all over the place. See, friend, you're not slave to that. You're actually a new substance in Christ Jesus. That substance is the righteousness of God. As horrible as the physical suffering of Jesus was, the spiritual suffering, the act of being judged for sin in our place, was what Jesus really dreaded about the cross. This was the cup, the cup of God's righteous wrath that he trembled at drinking. This week I read the horrific, excruciating experience of crucifixion. And it was just your mind boggles as to how one man can go through that. But what you have to understand is that the pain that Jesus went through before the cross was not about the pain of crucifixion, but was the pain of being judged as sin for the whole world. But he said he, he surrendered to God, saying, not my will, but yours. When you turn your Bible to Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22 And we're going to continue to talk about how Easter represents good news for you and I. Luke chapter 22. Give me a good amen when you're there. And just smile across the auditorium so that we know it's not getting too heavy in here. Thank you, Janelle. And Paul, well done. And Cheyenne, good smiling. Luke 22, has everybody got it? I'd love for you to follow along with me. Luke 22 and verse 39 to 46 or 44 anyway, reads like this. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. 
and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Friend, I want to show you from Scripture today that Jesus was not anguishing over the, the physical nature of the cross, but the spiritual transaction that he was about to be a part of. Psalms chapter 75, once you note these, I'll just skip through three, three passages of Scripture real quickly. Psalm 75 and verse 8 says this, For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is well mixed, and he pours, of, he pours out of this. Surely all the wicked of the earth must drain, drain and drink down its streams. Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 17 Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 17 says, Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, you who have drained to its dregs the goblet that makes people stagger. Jeremiah chapter 25, Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 15 says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of, of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. Can I say to you today that I am convinced that Jesus was not anguishing over the physical nature and the pain of the cross. Who knows, there might have been elements of that in there. But Jesus knew better than anybody else the cup of God's wrath that was poured out towards sin. And so he anguished. But in the end, the Bible shows us that he submitted to the will of the Father, whose will is for you and I to know Jesus Christ and know him intimately. Isaiah puts it powerfully. In Isaiah chapter 53, 3 to 5, Isaiah chapter 53 and 3 to 5 says like this. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of, of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. See, I started with 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and to the Corinthian church, Paul passed on, passed a, a gospel on that they received, took their stand on, and held firmly. And friend, today I, I want to give you some truths that you can receive. I pray that you receive, that you take a stand on, because this is what distinguishes you as a follower of Jesus Christ, and that you hold firmly to for the rest of your days. It's that kind of morning, amen, where we define. Come on, Easter is defining us as believers in Christ. Come on, Easter is saying this is why you become a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, I sense the Spirit of God here this morning. 
Come on, this is what we're celebrating. The good news of what makes us followers of Jesus Christ. I just want to re- remind you again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, before we continue. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, verse 3 says, For what I re- received, I passed on to you as first importance. And make no mistakes, friend, I, I passed this on to you this morning as of first importance in your Christian walk. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That passage says, for our sins. Our sins, my sins and your sins, were responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. He did not die for a political cause or an enemy of the state. Jesus did not die as a martyr for a cause. Jesus died for our sins. This is the gospel, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. It says that he was buried. Come on, these are the three elements that they received, that they took a stand on, and they held firmly to. That Jesus died for our sins. They took a stand on the fact that he was buried. The second thing is that he is buried. We, do not, we don't often think of the burial of Jesus as a part of the gospel. But friend, I tell you this morning that it is. The burial of Jesus is important for many reasons. It is the proof that he really died. Because you don't bury someone, or you shouldn't, unless they actually did. Well, you shouldn't. But it's also in line with what Scripture leading up to this point has said. That he will die. And on the Thursday, on the third, on the Thursday, on the third day, be raised again. I'm going to laugh so that you're laughing with me, not at me. I've got insecurity issues. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, it's also in line with, why don't you note this scripture to read in your own time. John chapter 19 and verse 31 to 37. John chapter 19, verse 31 to 37. And you'll see that scripture, it was important to note and to stand on, to hold firmly that Jesus was buried. He died. Jesus' death was confirmed at the cross before he was taken down to be buried. And you can read that in John chapter 19. And the third fact that they received of the gospel, the third fact of the gospel that they received, they took a stand on and they held firmly to as an early church, and we should too, is that Jesus Christ rose again. This truth is what I've been leading to, and it is critical to the gospel. Why, let me ask you, why, if Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins and remove our guilt, why is the resurrection of Jesus so important? Why, if the transaction happened on the cross by Jesus taking our sins and and dying, if that judgment was cast on Him in that time, why is the resurrection so significant to you and me? Well, I'm glad you asked, because it really helps finishing my message off. Thank you, church. Although Jesus bore the full wrath of God on the cross, as if he were guilty, a guilty sinner, guilty for our sin, 
even being made sin for us. He himself was not a sinner. This is the gospel message that Jesus took our punishment for sin on the cross and remained a perfect savior through the whole ordeal. This is proved by his resurrection. If there was any sin in and of himself, friend, he would just die. But the resurrection reminds us that he was God, a perfect lamb, worthy to be slain. Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 27. Acts chapter 2 and verse 27. Because you will not be abandoned, you, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. See, friend, Jesus' resurrection confirmed everything that was said about Him. The Word of God said, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You've got to understand today that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is there a good amen in the house of God? I'm getting a little emotional about it. I just love the truth of the gospel. Let me tell you something today, church. If the cross is the payment for our sins, the empty tomb, the resurrection is the receipt, showing that the perfect Son of God made perfect payment for our sins. Let me remind you what needs to be done with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to be received, it's to be stood upon, and it's to be held firmly to. Friend, this truth of the resurrection is to be held firmly to. Stand on it. His power in the truth that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by God the Father. You see, in the early church, they knew this reality. And they preached it wherever they went. That Jesus Christ died and was buried and was raised on the third day. They preached it everywhere. They made testament of it. Because not only did they receive it, they stood upon it. And they held firmly to it. And because of that, the church of God prevailed through the centuries. Friend, I tell you today, stand on the truths of the gospel. Acts chapter 3 and verse 15. 15 says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. The early church, they stood on it and they preached it and proclaimed it because the power of the cross is in the proclamation. As friend, I tell you today, stand on it. Hold firmly to the truths of the gospel that you killed the author of life. This is a preaching. This is a sermon. But God raised him from the dead. Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. As I bring this message to a close. Acts chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, He looked at the dignitaries of the day, godless men, and he said to them, A crowd gathered. He said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called 
to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. He said, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This truth seems to be coming up again and again. God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Let me read that again. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He says, now all you people look and listen to me carefully. You asked me to give account for why this man can walk today. He was, he was a beggar at the gate, beautiful. How is it that he can stay? You asked me, how is it that he can stand here fully healed before you, jumping around, full of joy and have salvation? Well, it's simple. Look back at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the power of that event has given the church the ability to say, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give to you. Stand to your feet and be healed. Come on church, you've got to understand today that you don't only receive this gospel as an historic event. You don't only stand on it as a, as a great event for Christians. But you, you do all those things and you hold firmly to it all your life because there is power, wonder, working power in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, there's somebody who's got to give a good amen in the house of God today. Because friend, you've got to understand today that every single day you need the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not an event that got you into the kingdom one day. Today, I need the gospel of Jesus Christ. For every sinful desire that tries to come in and take root in my life, I need the gospel. I need to say, Jesus, you died for this. Every time sickness comes on my life or my family or the world, I look at it and I say, no, Jesus, you died for this. We don't need to accept it in Jesus' name. And so you ask me to, you call me to account as to why we can have such power, why we can believe in such power. Then, friend, this is the truth. It's because Jesus... Christ came to earth. He died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. And that's why we can believe in power. That's why we can have power today. And friend, that's why you can have power to every area of your life that holds you shackled and chained. See, the truth is, friend, you're no longer a slave to that. You can make a decision today to be free of every sin and every heaviness in your life. You can make a decision for Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Word of God says. Friend, the truths of the gospel are not just a cute part of our history. It's powerful today. It's powerful tomorrow. It's powerful every day. See a good amen in the house of God. Sorry, I get a little carried away on this stuff because I'm just really passionate about it. 
Green, while there's a smile on your face, I just want you to open your hearts to what God's doing in this place today. You thought you were here through a random set of circumstances and maybe invitations, whatever it may be. But I've known God now for long enough to know that He doesn't leave things to random chance. He's in control. He knows and He pursues His people purposefully, intentionally. I, I know that of God. I know that of a man. You're here today, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, you're here today on purpose. The truth is that you and I will have to stand before God one day. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, you and I will have to stand before God and give an account for every decision, every act, every thought and every response we made in this life. We will have to give an account for it, whether you call yourself a Christian or not. And so, friend, in this life, is your opportunity to receive the gospel, to make a stand in the gospel, and to hold firm in it. In this life is our one opportunity. There's no second chances after this life. And so, friend, can I make an appeal to your heart today, to your mind today? Can I ask you, is this your day where you receive the gospel, the good news for your life? Is it your day to throw off the sin that so easily entangles and make a decision for Jesus Christ? Because friend, let me, let me guarantee you this point, that you will stand before God one day and give an account for your life. Every decision, every action, every thought. When you bow your heads and close your eyes, And I simply do this to give everybody the the privacy and the ability to think about themselves in this moment. Friend, as you think about your life and you reflect about where you may be in your relationship with God. Friend, knowing the truths of the gospel, I urge you, is today your day where you say, Jesus Christ, I want you to be Lord of my life. I know I'll have to stand before you one day and give account for my life. And so the rest of my life, I want to live for you. Friend, if you're ready today to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you're ready for that, what I want you to do while every eye is closed, every head is bowed, and every person thinking about themselves, what I want you to do is just raise your hand. I'll see it. And I'll know who I'm praying for at the end of this meeting. I'll get you to put your hand down. And at the end of this meeting, we'll pray together. So right now, every person, friend, I'm not asking you if you call yourself a Christian or not, if you've done this before. What I'm saying is, where are you at with Jesus Christ today? You will have to give an account for your life. And I pray the account you give is that, Jesus, when I heard you knocking, when I heard you calling, I responded to you. And I lived for you. I pray that that's the account you give to God one day. Friend, if that's you today, why don't you just lift your hand? And I'll see it. I'll get you to put it down. I just want to give everybody the opportunity, the freedom to do this right now. I'm just looking from left to right, front to back. Is there anybody ready to make this decision for Jesus Christ today? But I thank you today. Come on, we all stand to our feet. Hallelujah.
Come on, if in your heart you receive the gospel, you're ready to make a stand for the gospel, and, and you want to hold firm the gospel for the rest of your days, why don't you reach out to God this morning and just say, God, I love the truths that set me free. Come on, speak to him this morning, church. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did on the cross. Jesus, we, we acknowledge today that how much you would have carried on that cross for our lives, for our future, for generations. We know that, Lord, it was a big deal. It's a great burden to carry, but Jesus, you did it for us. And we acknowledge you today. We give you honor and glory that you deserve. Father, we, we, we humbly come before you today. And Lord, we, we don't want pride to rob us of a response in you. And so we respond by opening our hearts today and saying, Jesus, come into it and relieve us of every sin that's trying to hold us back from living for you. Lord, we change our minds today. We think new thoughts. Lord, thoughts that are heavenward. We consider the cross today. We thank you for your, Lord, for the crucifixion, the death that you went through, the transaction of the cross. And we thank you for the resurrection that means that today we have power, power over death, power over sickness and sin, that no guilt can hold us. Father, we thank you for the blood that washes us as white as snow, that removes every sin and guilt. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and honor this day. We worship you, God. We give you honor and glory. Come on, church. Lift your voice and make worship to our King. Come on, church. Let Him know that you're thankful today. Come on, don't stand in this place in a, in a mediocre attitude. God is worthy of so much more. He's worthy of so much more. Friend, He died on a cross and He shed His blood that you be free today. He shed His blood that you be free today. That you would know the power of the cross. Oh Jesus, there's no God like our God. We worship You. Thank You God that many have come before You and try to present themselves as God but they still lay in a tomb today. They, stay, they still lay in a grave today but our God is seated in heavenly places Lord, our God is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. We speak, to, we Lord, I speak into every sickness and disease in this place. Lord, every sin that has come upon your people, I declare be broken today in Jesus' name. Every cold, hard attitude. Lord, every pride, every sin of the heart. God, I declare today would be broken off your people. And we would be a people of God, knowing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would know the truths that set us free. Lord, we would know the truths that bring life to our bodies. That Jesus Christ died for our sin. That He was buried and He rose again. Lord, these are the truths we want to live for. Thank You for the cross. Come on, just say thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Tell them, church, thank you for the cross. Hallelujah. Just stand a moment in the presence of God. Stand a moment in the presence of God.